The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba, episode 37. On tonight's episode, we will be taking a deeper dive into the world of MLB stats with our guest, uh, Casey Bogoslaw of robaseball.com. He has some podcasts on robaseball.com and helps handle the at MLB barrel alert account. Casey, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, Bubba. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Uh, before we get into the world of stats and stat casts and barrels and all the good stuff we have there, tell us about uh, robaseball.com, what you guys have to offer over there, what you guys are uh, – what the uh, the twist of on baseball and stats and all that good stuff you have going on over there? Sure. So we we actually just launched in last July, so it hasn't yet quite been a year uh, just yet. But uh, we're approaching the, the year anniversary. What happened was uh, I have a friend who runs a it was at least a beginning to attempt to create a sports empire of American sports in the United Kingdom. And he started a football website called thereadoptional.com and eventually wanted to start a baseball chapter as well for Major League Baseball coverage. Uh, you know, We get a lot of uh, audience from the United Kingdom, but of course uh, a lot of American audience as well. So RO Baseball was created back in July. And what my main thought process was when I went to start to plan the idea behind the website was to be uh, a, a site for people that were a little bit more advanced statistic inclined, but we also did not want to necessarily scare people off that weren't maybe up to speed on, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the new stuff that has come out. So we wanted to provide a narrative behind everything. And we try to do a little bit of a whole bunch of stuff, uh, you know, showing our true love of the game on the website. So we do a lot of historical stuff, talking about the players from, you know, many years ago. We do fun things like uh, talk about uniforms and, and the new uniforms when they come out. So we do all kinds of stuff, but we always try to go back to having some statistical basis uh, for our site. Uh, we, of course, uh, were you know, we're going off of, you know, the fan graphs and the baseball perspectives of the world, but we wanted to do a little bit of a different spin on things that is shown by those sites. They're obviously great sites, but we wanted to uh, be kind of the bridge in between there and not, uh, you know, necessarily be a site that, you know, wants to 
you know, kind of stick their nose up at people that don't use the, uh, you know, the the advanced stats, but uh, just uh, be a site that people who love baseball can go and enjoy, and you know, uh, somewhere at least they can hopefully find something that they like on the site. No, and I, I like that a lot because as many that listen to my podcast know. I'm not the biggest stat guy in the world and I'm, I'm embracing it and I'm learning it and I'm becoming more of a stat guy, but I like that approach because as much as I do like fan graphs and baseball prospectus and they're very, very good sites. Uh, if you're not into stats, they are intimidating and right. you start reading an article and you can get lost very quickly, very, very so, quickly. And we wanted to, you know, I, I did forget to mention that our, our slogan is explaining the why. And that's what we really want to do. And we don't want to necessarily make it, you know, too uh, high level. We want to know why, you know, we're watching right now. Eric, Tame, Eric Thames has two home runs today. And he's got, uh, you know, all these home runs out so far this year. And he hasn't played in MLB since 2013. He was playing over in Korea the last two years. How is he coming out of, you know, necessarily nowhere, uh, you know, why is, you know, what what is he doing differently than what he did, you know, back then and what it what what happened in Korea that can help him do that, stuff like that, that we can really explain the why of the baseball. Why do, play, why do teams make these trades? Why do they call certain people up for the minors? We try to go in depth on all of those moves and kind of, you know, explain our reasoning on, on why we see that those things are happening. No, and that's a great thing to do. It'll definitely – Definitely help people understand it a lot more instead of just kind of looking at it with a blank face by the end and going, what did I just read for the last five minutes? So that's that's uh, very good. Very, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing more of what you have because since I started following you guys a few weeks ago, um, it's been very, very good stuff. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to what else you guys have to offer. Um, StatCast. StatCast is very, very interesting. Brings a whole new element to watching baseball. There's defensive, offensive, pitching. There's all kinds of angles to it. They track, like, how far a guy runs to catch a fly ball, uh, exit velocity off a bat, launch angles, how like, uh, spin rate on a curveball, <laughs> all kinds of things. Like, everything you can think of, and they keep thinking of new things. Like, there's more and more that come out. Um, when you're looking at StatCast, obviously we'll get into your barrel stuff. When you're looking at StatCast, what are some of the important ones that you're kind of think you're looking at from, I guess, a fantasy angle or just baseball in general? Sure. Uh, I think the important thing to really remember with any advanced stat, and I know that they, they come on varying levels of, you know, I guess how much you have to read into to really understand if you have to do if you have to pull up a, a glossary of their terms, maybe it's not necessarily. Uh, meeting its goal but uh you know of course you're able to go into this sport and all of these new creations as much as you want to and it's on a personal level but what i you know when i try to you know what i do with my twitter accounts uh, i try to make it as understandable for you know the common crowd as possible uh you know whether it's you know, your 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 older father watching the game that you know grew up with batting average and RBI, and some of the stuff just seems foreign to him, and he doesn't want to see it. Uh, I I do think that MLB has done a good job at making these things not too uh, I guess overwhelming. I think MLB has done a good job. We we talked about Fangraphs and baseball prospectus a lot, and that you know that is for a certain audience. I think what MLB is trying to do is. Bring the audience that loves the game of baseball and just adding more to the game. So we all grew up, you know, uh, I'm 33 years old. We all grew up when we were watching the game, and I'm, I'm sure Bubba, you too, that 
we saw the pitch velocity when we watched these games. We knew that, you know, Nolan Ryan threw 100 miles per hour, but no one ever talked about how fast the ball was going off the bat. And now this what we have. Um, and, and, of course, that's a big part of barrels, which I know we'll get into a bunch soon. Uh, the other thing is that, and actually today was a big launch day for uh, Baseball Savant, which is kind of the MLB that's the URL that that shows all of these you know uh, amazing stats that they have. And, and to give you more background, basically they put a new camera system in every single park in 2015. Uh, it went live in all 30 states in 2015. 2016 was kind of the first time they started introducing some of the statistics, and then now 2017, they're just pumping out as much as possible. And uh, you can go into it as much as you want. Like I said, as deep as you want, but. Like you said, whatever angle you want to look at, there's something there for you. If you want to see why is a pitcher succeeding when they didn't succeed last year or or vice versa, um, there is something that would be there for you, whether it's the thing that you mentioned, spin rate on the ball. Um, of course, there's stuff you know as simple as you know uh, what corners of the strike zone are they hitting. Um, as for the defensive crowd, which is a growing crowd, they have a bunch of they have this new stat called catch probability, which I think even that term is very, very simple. You know, it's just how probable was that ball caught? We all like to judge these things by the eye test and say, oh, that looked like a difficult catch. That didn't look like a difficult catch. How did he miss such an easy catch? Now we kind of had just have a number to back up what we think we saw or, or, or what we might not have seen. Um, so that's what they're all doing. Now, I know it's been met by... Some vitriol as well, but I think people on Twitter just like to complain. Uh, of course, there's always that, that part of the audience that has to complain about everything. But I do know that it seems like now every time we run, you know, if you're following a Twitter feed, uh, if you're following your Twitter feed along with the baseball game, every single event on the baseball field is now coming with uh, a number attached to it, which I understand maybe some people don't like all the time. You know, mute those people, I guess, or, you know, don't follow them. Um, or, you know, I guess just ignore it. You know, of course, they're always going to hopefully provide some narrative or some reasoning why those numbers are important. Um, but I, I've heard it. I, I've, I've seen both the reaction myself. I, I love all the stuff that they're doing at StatCast. Uh, I like additional data. I'm a numbers guy. Um, and But it's... And I know that you have a bunch of uh, fantasy listeners on, on this audience. I think that's this stuff that they're coming up with is going to help us understand the game. And I think most importantly for not only fantasy uh, fans, but fans of you know any of the 30 teams, it, it's going to help us predict to maybe what we think we're going to see moving forward. I think that's what these numbers are really going to do when they really break down to a very, very granular level. Um, we can see when things start to change, when things, uh, certain trends start to appear. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, it's all about trying to be smarter than the guy next to you at the bar, right? Yep, exactly. And um, you, you said it best, going back to the beginning, I'm, I'm 33 as well. And um, it's funny you, you mentioned that you don't really ever, you, like, for instance, you remember the big unit just throwing cheese. And, the first time you really remember, at least I remember you hearing about exit velocity is when McGuire took him deep in Seattle and he hit like the back of the Metrodome yeah. and everyone goes, Oh, he hit it was like 130 miles an hour or something crazy. And like, that's when they started slowly starting to like register this stuff. But yeah, they have it in every ballpark. Now this year in the, uh, in uh, the cactus league, they started putting them in the cactus league. 
Um, and they even start, they even have it in some triple A ballparks now. Um, they're really going deep, but I'm glad you mentioned baseball savant. I feel really bad. I'm forgetting it's Tangier, I believe. And Darren or Doug, I forget the guy's name. You'll probably know him. Darren, Darren Willman is the guy behind baseball savant. And I believe he started, I, I, I hope I'm getting this correct. He started this independently. MLB found him, hired him. Very smart move. The guy is a, Genius, genius and he just keeps mm-hmm. popping out more stuff and uh tom tango is kind of the the another name that's you know he wrote the book which is the book of baseball uh a couple years ago and it really broke down a lot of you know creating the optimal batting lineup and when to bunt and when to bring in relief pitchers so he's been around the game for a long time he was hired by mlb last year to kind of really help introduce this stack system to the audience and mike petriello is probably their main the writer at MLB.com who really dives into the statistics and he provides a narrative that um, and posts many articles on MLB.com. Yeah, and for people that are kind of new to StatCast like myself, I, I listen to podcasts all the time and they have a weekly podcast for just StatCast, just search yep. StatCast. And it's literally, it's like a half an hour. It takes no time. Um, you'll hear me long-winded, longer than a half an hour most times. It's super quick. They're so they they don't even make it complicated what they describe, and it's it's fun to listen to. It's like oh, this guy ran his rear end off over here, or just like so much easy stuff, or this guy hit a bomb over here. And, but they but they break it down into the numbers, like they but it, and it makes it they explain it to you instead of just reading it on paper where you can get lost by yourself. So and they they explain it with excitement. See, it doesn't sound like they're reading out of a physics book. You know, yeah, they are. Exactly. You could tell they they have a passion of the game. <laughs> Exactly. They love it. Like they're loving life doing it. And I have the baseball savant page pulled up. It's, I'm glad you mentioned it because I Googled it before we started recording and um, it's phenomenal. They even have a link tab for just daily matchups and they're still developing. And I watched them enter. They were talking throughout the day with different people asking questions and they're continually working on making it better on feedback throughout the day today. Um, there's pages just literally you can search whatever you want and format your page however you want. It's very impressive. Um, so the more you guys learn about stats, you're going to learn more as we go on through the podcast. Uh, this, this site's going to be phenomenal. Um, let's get on to the bread and butter of this, what we wanted to talk about, which what really got my attention. And this is actually how I found you was through this app or this Twitter handle at MLB barrel alert is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, so kudos to that. But, um, Explain the, the the genius of this. Sure. Uh, yeah, I hope barrel is a term that's going to be as common as home run. Uh, I, I really do hope that, that <laughs> I live in a world that that's the case. And why I – and t- I'll, I'll get into what a barrel is. Again, created by those guys that we just mentioned, Darren and Mike and Tom, a barrel is what – it's trying to find the best possible – uh, batted ball outcome that you know that that happens in the game so what they did in a very intelligent way I think when their idea their goal when they went into finding that segments and portion of batted balls was to find a population uh, or, or sorry a combination of launch angle and exit velocity I will use those two terms quite a bit here during the podcast but basically how fast the ball is hit off the bat and at what angle parallel to the ground 
and finding the combination of those two things that will lead to a minimum batting average of 500 and a minimum slugging percentage of 1500. So we're talking guaranteed extra bases is what they were trying to do. Um, at least, you know, more common than not, it's going to be an extra base hit uh, with the 500 average. Last year, I believe the batting average was 822. Um, so we're talking about, uh, you know, very, very likely a hit. Uh, only 18% of the time that the ball was caught as a, for an out. Uh, and they label it as a barrel, which I thought, again, they're, they these MLB guys are doing a very good job of making these terms accessible to everyone. Anyone that's played the game of baseball, when they hit that sweet spot on the, on the bat when you hit it, you know that you feel nothing, and you know that you hit the ball right on what? The barrel of the bat. And that's what I think is so beautiful about the term that they came up with. So I grasped onto that term immediately when I heard it. Just like you were talking about, I listened to the StatCast podcast. I remember the day that they announced all of this, and I immediately attached to it. Um so I was all about it. Uh, again, on Baseball Savant, they started posting um, game feeds. So you can watch real time, and it gives you ev- it gives you real time the exit velocity and launch angle of every single batted ball. And what's awesome is they highlight green what is a barrel and what is not. Um, so it was pretty cool at the end of last season. And then it, it even went into postseason. So, uh, you know, when – you know. It, Addison Russell and Chris Bryant were hitting big bombs in the World Series last year. You could watch it on their game feed and see that those were barrels. So I dove into it a little bit more in the offseason. I wrote a series of articles, again, that can be found on robaseball.com. Uh, RO Baseball is powered by Medium, which is an app. Uh, I encourage everyone to download that. I think it, uh, the Ringer, Bill Simmons' site is on, on Medium as well. But Medium allows you to write a uh, series, which so I, I, I posted a series of barrels articles. And I really went into all kinds of things. I looked into uh, wh- which defenses save the most barrels. I looked into what stadiums the most barrels happen. And maybe if there is possibly uh, some calibration issues uh, of the different stack ass systems. Of course, this is a, a human creation, so there could be human error. Uh, I did find that actually there it seemed like barrels were a little heavy at Detroit and Arizona. Uh, I haven't... Fully done, uh, you know, as much inf- investigation as I can, just uh, from my own resources. I don't have many, <laughs> but uh, it's just something I want to keep an eye on moving forward. But yeah, check that stuff out that I wrote at RO Baseball. Just search barrels. Um, but then, yeah, uh, it dawned on me, I don't know, about March, maybe in the middle of the World Baseball Classic, that uh, I thought it would be very cool to have a Twitter account automatically tell you when these barrels were happening. And I thought, why not try to power it myself? Um, I, I, I'm guessing a lot of our, the listeners here today follow an account called MLB HR, MLB Home Run, uh, which automatically live updates you every home run that is hit. So I was trying to do something in that vein. Now, like I said, Baseball Savant gives you those barrels immediately. Uh, so I knew that the information was there and it was available. So right now... We have a team of five people that are tweeting these out manually. So while I'm on the podcast with you, Bubba, I got my other buddies uh, taking care of the the Twitter handle while I'm on here. That's how you guys pulled that off. So we do, of course, would like it to be automatic at some points. We do know that the technology is possible, but, uh, you know, it's... It, it becomes tedious at times, but I got to tell you, I'm learning a lot about the 25th man on everyone's roster because, you know... There was a guy named Warwick Sopold or something like that of the Detroit Tigers who came in and junk time 
I think over the weekend or maybe late last week, he gave up four barrels in like an inning. I didn't know who Warwick Sopold was, but I now I know that he, uh, he serves meat uh, <laughs> and the other team just uh, took advantage of it. Um, so, and what I've done with the site, so I uh, every morning take all of our tweets and I plug them into a spreadsheet and I keep track just like Baseball Savant does, but uh, then I'm running, I'm running all kinds of different stats off it, all kinds of formula, and I have it formatted the way I want. So I'm having a whole lot of fun with these barrels. Uh, and I, I really, I just want to make this final point. I know that I've been long-winded here, but I just feel like barrels are, they can't be cheated. Uh, one of the articles that I wrote about barrels was that, you know, a, a home run can possibly be wind-aided, and it can be stadium-aided. Uh, I go back to, at Fenway Park, you know, we all know that right field foul pole is only about 315 feet, and when you hit a home run 315 feet, yeah, it's a home run at Fenway, but it ain't, it ain't a home run anywhere else. So what a barrel does is a barrel is a barrel is a barrel. A barrel at Fenway Park is the same as a barrel at Coors Field is the same as uh, AT&T. You know, it, it's, it can't be cheated. Uh, so when there, when a player is actually hitting a barrel, you know exactly what happened. You know that they made great, great contact. And the same thing from the pitcher's angle, too. I look at it a lot from that angle, too. You know that the pitcher served up a meatball as well. So... That's the great thing about barrels. Uh, they are not. There's no park factors involved. Hopefully, if they all the stadiums are calibrated correctly, uh, and weather doesn't affect them as well. Yeah, that uh, one thing is that Warwick guy was hilarious because um, he. I saw your tweet after he got beat up, and I believe he was sent back to the minors that <laughs> night. Yes. Uh, because he got destroyed that game. Like I think minutes account, after the game, yeah. Yeah, your account was barrel, barrel, barrel. <laughs> it was just like one after the other. But um, it's like you said, it's the perfect name because anybody that played baseball, I played all the way until basically high school, um, and they always tell you, barrel up the ball, barrel up the ball. Like It's, it's just what you do. That was the phrase. And like you said, when you hit the ball, the bat, the ball with the barrel. It's the sweet spot. It's just like a hollow feeling. It's just the perfect hit, and it's the perfect name. I don't. It's it's so simple, but it's so perfect for anybody to play baseball. And um, they need to make like T-shirts and hats. I'll buy stuff. Like it's perfect. Yeah. Like like you said, like I smile when you talk about it because it's just as a baseball person, it's awesome. Um, but I, I like it when that when you're the the tweet comes on my my timeline. I see the barrel and then I, I immediately look at the velocity and then I, I look, you hit it and then I look at the launch angle and I try to predict the outcome before I look at what it is. Like I try to, I try to figure it out myself and I like how you said it's like roughly 18% of the time it's an out right. is what you're saying, I believe. And it's, I always laugh the guy that gets the out. I'm like, Oh, that guy's got to be so pissed. And then it's like the random one. that's a ground out. Like I think, was it last year Stanton had one of the hardest hit balls, like a ground out to short? The or fastest, yeah. The the highest exit velocity last year was a double play, a ground ball <laughs> double play yeah, off the bat of Stanton. Yeah, so that's, that's just you know, that, that's a good point though, Bubba. And I think this is a good thing for you know the the new crowd that's learning about this is exit velocity certainly has its importance. Giancarlo uh, Stanton hits the living daylights out of the ball nearly every time he makes contact. But the launch angle is about just as important because 
yeah, he hit the ball. I think it was like 120 miles per hour, but it was right into the ground. So it went, you know, I, I don't remember who's, but it went right to the shortstop and it was a double play. You need that launch angle as well. So it's like, I want to say, you know, Tom Tango has done a lot of research. The ideal launch angle is, I think it's in like the, the late teens, uh, 17, 18. Now, barrels, though, are, uh, they start, well, it depends on kind of, uh, again, it's a, it's a, a growing range, but you, you will see 17 degree barrels, but those got to be hit about, you know, uh, 110 or something like that. Uh, the lowest, uh, all barrels have to be at least 98 miles per hour, just to give you guys some kind of idea of, of where it starts. And then that, so that's a small, uh, angle range. It's between 26 and 30 degrees at 98, but as uh, each degree faster, the angle grows so if you're hitting it uh 112 115 miles per hour we've seen uh aaron judge hit some freaking awesome uh ropes you know the 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 angle range is uh, you know i'm going off the top of my head here but like 15 to 40 you know it, it, it really grows because when you're hitting it that fast as long as you're getting some up on the ball you're not hitting it directly into the ground that ball's gonna go a long way as long if you get it a little bit up yeah definitely um before we go on to the next section, I know it's kind of off the top of your head. If you have a, what are like some of the top barrel guys at the moment you have that available? Yeah, sure. I'm glad you asked. Uh, so what I did was um, in preparation for the pod was uh, I'm looking at every guy with, and uh, you know, we're still early in the season, obviously only three weeks into the season. So we're all, you know, the top guy probably has like 80 plate appearances. So I, I'm looking at a list of uh, about minimum 50 uh, plate appearances. And the guy who has the most, uh, the highest percentage of plate appearances that have been barreled is who I just mentioned, Aaron Judge. That wasn't by accident, um, which is pretty incredible. And I think from a from a fantasy perspective, I'm sure a lot of people uh, are pretty surprised by this. I don't think Aaron Judge was going super high in drafts. He got a cup of coffee last year with the Yankees when uh, they traded off all of their uh, – you know, they're Chapman and Miller. He, he they brought him up to get a little bit of a taste of the baseball, and he struck out. Uh, it was uh, about forty five percent of the time, so he wasn't doing too hot. He hit uh, one eighty. Um, wasn't expected to do too too much, but uh, the Yankees are still basically rebuilding, and they've given him a lot of opportunities this season, and he has been paying off quite nicely. Uh, I think uh, most people thought uh, Andrew Benintendi was a surefire rookie of the year, but I think Aaron Judge is throwing his name in the ring. Um, next highest is Cespedes. Cespedes got off to a mad, uh, mad fast start. Uh, he had four barrels in a game, by the way, uh, this season already. Um, but he's been hurt or he, I know he had the flu and then he got hurt. Uh, but he is still second highest on the list. Uh, Freddie Freeman is becoming a superstar. Joey Gallo is another name, just like Aaron Judge, that I think is going, it was, is a, probably a more surprising name that he's at top of this list. Now these guys, you know, sometimes do strike out a lot too because uh, you know they're swinging mighty, mighty hard uh, <laughs> to get the uh, exit velocities this high. Um, but I think from we could break it down from a fantasy perspective and a real baseball, you know, a, a regular baseball perspective. But from a fantasy perspective, we want guys that hit the ball really hard because uh, they're going <laughs> to get us those extra base hits and of course everything that goes along with them, home runs, RBI. Um, that's what these guys are doing. So uh, if Aaron Judge is still available in your league or uh, if you're still looking at him from a daily fantasy perspective, uh, I would uh, definitely take a chance at him because he is hot right now. Yep. There's no reason for him to be sitting on a waiver wire anywhere. Um, now, like you just said, that a perfect segue. Um, 
that's one way to look at this barrel is these guys that are hitting the ball that hard. That's one, like when you, people look at hard hit rate and, you know, exit velocity, a lot of fantasy people look at that to look at guys that if maybe they're not, you know, hitting for a high average or something that, well, they're hitting the ball hard. So it's going to turn around, you know, keep your eye on him, whatever. Well, this barrel account is a great way to analyze that as well, because there really are stinging the balls really 18% of the time. If they're getting out, if they're a part of that small group, they're having bad luck. Another way to look at this is pretty much every day you're putting out one of the best lists. I'm looking at it right now on my computer. Um, the barrel FIP leaders. I'm going to let you break this down. You have the top 25 pitchers in uh, the barrel FIP and the bottom 25. So basically the ones that give up the, the, that do it, the prevent the, the least are, I'll let you explain it before I get tongue tied. I know what it is. I know what it is while I'm reading it, but I'll let you explain it better. Sure. So, uh, yeah. So uh, if you guys don't know what FIP is, and again, this is one of those terms that might scare a few people off, but you know, in the, it's basically in the sense of earned run average, which is, you know, the back of the baseball card, that stat that we all grew up with, but, uh, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, very smart baseball mind came up with something called field independent pitching because what he was, his theory was that pitchers are only responsible for things that uh, are within their control, which is strikeouts, walks, and home runs. Now, what's very, very interesting about that is that that's the way the game has really gone. Uh, and it's becoming more and more of those three true outcomes are, are what we are seeing every day when we watch uh, baseball. Uh, 33% of the time, um, I believe right now is roughly around where the percentage is that a home run, a strikeout, or a walk are happening. So it's, you know, one out of every three times, one of those three things are going to happen. Some people, of course, certainly have their uh, qualms about that, that uh, the game is not as exciting because there's not as much play in the field going on. Um, But uh, that's just where we are right now, and that's the guys that are uh, earning a bunch of money. Um, So they created this stack called Field Independent Pitching that just – looked at a pitcher from those three perspectives. Now, I already explained why home runs can be can have a luck factor attached to them. Uh, I mentioned the Fenway Park thing. Uh, let's go Coors Field. We all know that the thin air at Coors create much more home runs than any other park. So those pitchers at Coors, their ERAs are, all, are always inflated um, because they're giving up a home runs. Now, the same thing will happen with FIP, though, because they're going to be allowing more home runs than maybe a pitcher with the same skill set at a different park. So what I did, and it was actually my introduction article when I went, my introduction to Barrel's article that I wrote over the offseason was creating a new stat going off of field independent pitching. But instead of using home runs as that factor of one of the three true outcomes, I used Barrel's. Um, and, and I explained why earlier, because Barrel's, cannot be cheated so if a pitcher's giving up a barrel it's not going to matter if they're Coors Field it's not going to matter if they're at Fenway those should all be treated equally so I feel like it's a more refined a little bit um, fairer way to uh, analyze these pitchers from the three true outcomes uh, perspective Uh, it's gotten a little bit of kickback Uh, I think field independent pitching got a little bit kickback and actually famously a field independent pitching probably its biggest kickback that it ever got was uh Houston Street the uh I believe actually I don't I think he retired um was very very against it because he said there's there's so much more that happens in the on the on the field of play than just those three things 
I guess he is right. I, I said one out of every three times those happen. So the other two out of three times, there is something else happening, a ground ball, a fly ball, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think it gives you a good idea of what these pitchers are doing. So, um, yeah, this season I started out uh, right around uh, once we had, uh, I guess, maybe five days of data, uh, posting the FIP leaders at uh, robaseball.com. I uh, got a lot of uh, good uh, recommendations on kind of how people wanted to see it formatted. Uh, so right now, I, I still, of course, will take any feedback. If you guys want to hit me up on Twitter and you want to see something specific, let me know. Uh, right now, I'm posting the top 25 pitchers that have the lowest FIP. So again, and this is a weighted it, it does have an ERA weight, so you can treat the numbers just as you would treat an ERA. So right now, the leader is, shockingly, Jason Vargas, uh, who's actually pitching right now and uh, had not given up a barrel this season until he did today. Uh, Matt Davidson of the Chicago White Sox, and, and P.S., I'm a Chicago White Sox fan, so that was nice to see, uh, hit the first barrel off of uh, Jason Vargas, who is this... Uh, yeah, he's like this 32-year-old guy who's kind of came back from Tommy John surgery and has had this wonderful start of the season. Uh, after Vargas, though, we get to some more familiar names, Chris Sale, Noah Syndergaard. So it's not telling us necessarily maybe anything we don't know. Um, Chris Sale's good, everyone. Uh, no surprise. J- Noah Syndergaard's very good as well. Um, th- those things aren't uh, surprising, but um, you know, with any stats, uh, you're hoping – that uh, if you're creating a pitching stat, you want the best pitchers to be at the top of your list or you think that you've done something wrong. But what's, uh, I think, very uh, helpful from a fantasy perspective is maybe some of these names uh, you don't know that uh, are having this great start to the season and that maybe you want to start picking up off the waiver wire. So I mentioned Vargas. Amir Garrett uh, had a bad start today, so maybe that's a bad example. But there's other names like Dylan Bundy, um, Wade Miley, some Orioles getting uh, off to to good starts uh jared eikoff of the phillies um good names that uh if you're on a streaming you know strategy and fantasy that you might want to take a look at this list uh and i also post the bottom 25 too so maybe there are some guys that have gotten off to maybe okay starts but if you watch the game you are seeing that they're allowing more hard hit balls and maybe get a little lucky um that'll show you that uh so which pitchers are giving up the most barrels i post the barrel percentage as long with the strikeout and walk rates as well just so you can kind of see why you know maybe what exact area is making their fit go up or down uh and just so you know the barrel per, uh is weighted more than the other two things um so just just to give you some uh you know, inner, inner thinkings of how the stat is created. Um, but yeah, I'm posting that every morning here at robaseball.com. I do think that it's a, it's a good judgment of how pitchers are doing at the current moment. Uh, I do plan on possibly posting like, uh, you know, at last 30 days, because as we know, a pitcher can have a good month. A pitcher can have a bad month. Like I mentioned, uh, Amir Garrett was fourth on my list going into this morning and he got destroyed by, uh, Eric Thames, actually, uh, by, of all people, uh, it was a it was a non barrel pitcher versus a high barrel hitter, and we saw that the uh, the barrel hitter won today. So, uh, just fun things like that, though, that can happen. Yeah, and um, I think just the chart alone from a season long for like streaming pitchers, or you know, if you're looking for guys. But DFS wise, I think it's phenomenal. If you're looking for like like you said already, you know, sales great, you know, Cinder guards great. 
But if you're looking for those mid-priced guys or low-priced guys that you're trying to decide between, then you go, oh, look at this. Or you look at the, the bottom 25 and you're looking at guys to stack against and you're trying to be you know, a little off the wall. And all of a sudden this one name stands out where you're thinking, oh, wow, no one's going to attack this guy because – they see X, Y, or Z because they're on this team or they're facing a team that's not that good. But wait, this guy gives up this much, this many barrels. Like, wait a minute. He's due. To, he might get blown up today. Like there's a good possibility. Um, I, I, I got to ask you, Bubba, you're, you're wearing a Giants hat. Uh, Matt Moore is on the top of my uh, worst FIP leaders. Um, <laughs> I haven't, I, I, I would say I probably, I don't think I've watched Matt Moore throw a pitch this year. I'm sure you've watched a little bit more than I have. Is, is, does your eye test tell you the same thing? Is he getting uh, hit really hard? Well, part of your list there was his last start. He gave up a lot of barrels in Coors Field, a lot. But like you said, barrels have nothing to do with ballpark. Yes. So I'm sure that, that, that they went I'm, out. I'm sure they left the park. The, Coors will still have yes, that effect. <laughs> yeah, yes, a few did. It was a nightmarish occasion. But um, he, it, it, it's weird because this is where it's going to – Sound bad. Barrels, yes, have no effect, but he seems to pitch better at home than he does on the road. So it's, but um, he's he's off they're, to a rough they're not, start. They're not robots. That 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 makes a whole bunch of sense. Yeah. But um, but that re- that brings up a point. I did. I took a note while you were talking there. Um, as you keep developing your your data, and maybe it's a part of your articles you wrote this that I'm going to go look into because I didn't know you wrote these in the off season on barrels. Um. First, Arizona is going to put a uh, humidor in, and Coors already has one. Are you going to maybe try to compare? Okay, I know you said it doesn't matter for park factors, but are you going to try to see if there's any differences at all on um, on the uh, because it does affect the way like yeah. in Coors the way like they're, the the way their off speed pitches work and stuff. So the way they pitch is going to be different, if that makes any sense. Right. So here's the the best way to answer that question. From a barrel perspective, um, putting a humidor in won't have uh, the same thing. Now, it, it could create more barrels because of, uh, you know, like you said, the grip might be different. And I don't know if I necessarily can give you a, a straight-up answer, uh, a good prediction on that. Now, I'll certainly keep an eye on it. And uh, as I mentioned, Arizona was – they were a little bit higher on barrels happen a little bit more often at that stadium to a weird rate. And that could be something with the stack ass system. I don't want to be too uh conspiracy theory here, but uh, there are, you know, certainly this is a brand new system. It's in, it's in its infancy and it's something that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, but the other thing that I do want to mention is I, you know, I've, I've stressed the fact that barrels, cannot be cheated. However, like you just mentioned with Matt Moore at Coors, if he's giving up a lot of barrels at AT&T, they're probably not going to go out of the park. Not, you know, uh, the the same portion the same proportion is not going to go out of the park at AT&T than it is going to go out at Coors. That still does have an effect. But at the same time, so if uh let's say um Tyler Chatwood of the Colorado Rockies, if he's not giving up a lot of barrels, but he's giving up a lot of home runs at Coors, I would trust the barrels more than I trust the home runs, and maybe that is a guy that you want to play when he's not at Coors. You know, you don't really ever want to play a pitcher when they're at Coors, um, but you can look in between the numbers when you look at these barrel numbers. That uh, when Chatwood is maybe at AT and T when the uh, you know the stadiums are flipped, 
that is somebody that you would want to use because even if he does give up a barrel or two, there's still a better chance that he'll stay in the park. Um, but he's not giving up a lot of barrels as it is uh, as well. So that is somebody that you may want to take a look at when they're on the road. Yeah, no, I was just curious because like in Coors, they, all, they always talk about how they can't throw their off-speed pitches the same way, like the curveball doesn't spin as much and blah, 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 blah. So I was just curious to see the effect differences. But if the barrels are what they say they are, and I believe they are because the data is backing it up, they wouldn't come out with these things if they didn't test them enough, basically what I'm saying. So um, then then my basically what I'm saying is my question is BS. Um, before we, before we go on to your most recent article, which I really want to talk about because I agree pretty much with everything you're saying, and it's a very hot-button topic, one last question on the stats. You have these, these uh, pitchers XFIP art, uh, charts. Do you have any other charts, or are these the main ones you have going right now? So like I mentioned, I, I'm keeping track of every barrel hit. Uh, so I look at a lot of stuff from both the hitter's perspective and the pitcher's perspective. I am planning on putting out my first article that's barrel related because I feel like four weeks of data will be good I'm, on Friday. Uh, I'm going to take a look at batters that are maybe getting off to an unlucky start. So maybe you're not seeing the fantasy numbers from these players, but their barrel percentages are starting to tell another story. Uh, I want to do the same thing with the pitcher down the road, pitchers down the road once they get a little bit more innings. So I have a little bit more statistics to back up my points here. Um, and then I even want to look at fielding as well. Uh, so, you know, the, the top outfielders out there are probably going to catch more barrel than, you know, the worse, the, the, the lesser outfielders out there. Uh, so, yeah, I have uh, a bunch of spreadsheets as far as stuff on on barrels. Uh, you know, a bunch of different tabs on my spreadsheets. Uh, what else I keep? You know, I I'm a baseball you know connoisseur. I have uh, I, I keep track of all 25 man rosters to take a look at. You know, what teams are using you know 13 pitchers compared to 12. Uh, I have a lot of data as far as ages and. Uh, all of that lefty righty, uh, you know, uh, per team. Um, I do stuff, some, some of that stuff on the side. Um, not even, there's not really too much of a use for those things other than it's just more uh, information at my, my fingertips. And so I'm always uh, ready to uh, help answer any questions that uh, any of our, our fans or audience may have. Uh, and really it's, it's just for the love of the game. Yeah, no, that's that's what I'm all about. I love just talking baseball, and I can tell you do too. So that's that's beautiful. Um, now let's talk about your most recent piece. It involves the good old. The best way I can say is the stupidity that people say is the unwritten rules of baseball that took place yesterday in Camden Yards. The five. You, the title is the five W's from what to why fireworks fly at Camden. Basically discussing the Manny Machado, Matt Barnes throw behind the head of Machado. I'll let you break down what it's about, and then we, we shall discuss what took place. So this idea actually came into my head over the offseason. I was going to write a big, big article about why I think the game, it's possible, and I think it, it should happen, that the, the people in charge of MLB should try to get rid of just the concept of the beanball, the intentional hit-by-pitch, 
Uh, really, if as much as they can get rid of any hit by pitch, uh, I, I think that it is in their power if they wanted to. Uh, I didn't get a chance to do it over the off season, um, and I, I certainly always had it in my back pocket for you know finding a time that I wanted to write it. But uh, something had to be said after what happened yesterday at, at Camden. Um, you know the fact that they threw it, Manny Machado's head just really irked me to all degrees. The fact that I saw that a few Boston Red Sox fans, a few just idiots that, you know, post that that's what he deserved. And, and, and you know, they wish he hit him and free drinks for Matt Barnes for life. Uh, yeah, I posted that tweet in my article. Um, I just think it's, it's horrible. I, I, I just don't get it. And, and I, you know, I, and I'm not trying to be, you know, somebody that doesn't, uh, love the history of the game, and I know that that's that's the game that we certainly grew up with. It was just you know part of the game, but I think it's just it's 2017. I think that we're smarter than this now. I mentioned in the article that they've made rules to get rid of the collision at the plate because Buster Posey got you know a huge injury, uh, and they made a rule to take away the breaking up of double plays because there were a few injuries that postseason. Uh, now it's time for this to go away because it's just another way to create injuries. And no one wants to see any of their players, but especially star players, miss time because of not a part of the game of baseball. <laughs> part of the, game, the game of baseball is to throw it in the strike zone, not throw it at somebody's head. Um, and, you know, there's always going to be, I think, a lot of uh, – fighting fighting me on this point because uh you know how do you how do you prove your point how do you get back at the team when certain things happen uh it's just you know I, you don't see many things like that in other sports i don't think and i just think that throwing an object at somebody else whether it's the head or the back or the butt or the leg i still think it should all they should all be pushed away from this game. And whether that's creating a bigger punishment system, I think that's really the only way to do it. Uh, and I mentioned the idea, and this is the idea that I thought of in the offseason, was that you treat them like technical fouls and, uh, for, for the NBA fans out there. You know, the, using it you know, from, a, from a technical foul standpoint, I do want to say that, you know, include, you know, players get two technical fouls and then they're out of the game. Uh, if you get two technical fouls in a baseball game, you should be out. They also get a season-long uh, running tally of technical fouls. I, I don't remember what it is. I'm not as big of an NBA fan, but I think it's like 19 technical fouls and you start getting suspended. Um, I don't think that there's a career tally that happens in, in the NBA, but um, I know that fines do add up over time. Um, but I think that, that should be in, installed in the game because you know a lot of – when I posted this, I posted some – a Twitter rant about this before I wrote the article this morning. I wrote, I, I was on Twitter last night and uh, some people said, you know, you know, if it is, uh, you know, per season or whatever, or per team, you know, that, that uh, teams are just going to throw a guy out there that, you know, and that uh, a guy that is a minor league player, basically that they're just going to throw a guy out there to do the bean ball and then send it back to the minors. And what does the team care if that, that guy gets a penalty? Um, I think that that that's why I wanted the career rule in place because that minor league player might not give a you know might not might think twice if he has to do this even if his manager is telling him because that's going to basically stain his record uh, and that he's going to have this 
you know, I put seven as a career long technical falls that you get before you're out of the league. I, that might be too low, but who knows? But if he's going to use one of his seven bullets, quote unquote, uh, to do something that maybe he's not even a part of, uh, he, he would certainly, I think, t- think twice if it's going to mean his career moving down the line. So, yeah, I mean, Manny Machado, it, it certainly hit home a lot because I think that he is obviously a big superstar in this league. He's a face of the, the team. And if that ball was, what, six inches more in, uh, that's a, probably a certain concussion for Machado. It, it could even be worse. I didn't want to get too hyperbolic in, this, in the article, but you know what I'm talking about. It could have been much, much worse. Could have been dangerous, really, really dangerous. Like, it's such a fine line on – "Quote unquote," the unwritten rules is just a stupid thing to begin with. Like I, I like the history of baseball. I don't want to try to fight that. Like you want to get into the history of baseball, we get at the DH talk. We get into a lot of stupid things if we want to. Um, but throwing at someone, I just don't understand it. Like you said, if you want to throw at someone, okay. Like I'm not a fan of it. Like you are, I don't get it. But there is zero reason to go above a number ever. Right. If you're going to hit him, hit him in the ass and move along. <laughs> like, it's so simple. And you're a professional pitcher, and if you tell me you can't hit that object, you're you're just lying. And the worst part about yesterday is no one even knew it was coming except the pitcher because the catcher was setting up outside. Yep. And, and so he, I believe and the pitcher Pedroia, denied it. He denied it too, which yeah. is crazy. It's complete mess. He said he was um, trying to go I, inside. You mentioned the catcher was on the outside. The catcher was completely outside. I believe Pedroia um, – I grew up playing baseball with Pedroia. Um, he he wasn't – as he was a hard-headed, you know, hard ball player, but he was never that kind of guy when he played. I'll, I'll be honest about that. I, I don't see him doing that kind of stuff, but maybe he did. Who knows? Uh, I, liked, I liked how he was very adamant – telling Machado I wasn't me, all that stuff, which yeah. also can, kind of seems odd to do it that vocally in front of the whole team like that, throwing his teammate under the bus. But he is the team leader now, so maybe he's trying to make a point like, hey, this is not how we do it, guys. Um, and, so you know, it was I, very, I, I, I certainly have to fault Barnes to a degree, but I think it's it's all about the, the attitude of the sport, though. I think Matt Barnes, if he decided to do it, he was doing it to gain – respect from his teammates or whatever okay. and, and you know obviously the guy he was trying to defend wasn't a big fan of it but oh the reason Barnes was doing it is to you know because of this 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 mantra that is all around baseball and that's what needs to go oh no that's the problem you could see it now like you could have watched MLB tonight and some of those ex-pros half of them probably would have said oh he didn't defend Pedroia and probably that Saturday night or whatever he got hurt but Friday night Probably Friday night and all Saturday, they were probably all saying, when's one of these guys going to step up and, you know, get even for his teammate? They were probably all talking about it. On all the radio shows in Boston, they were probably all talking about it. And so he's hearing it all. Um, It's just a matter of time, and it's stupid. Um, He shouldn't have done it. But like you said, in the locker room, part of you can't fault them because it's just the stupid way that it is. Right. I would never, I, I fault them a thousand percent for throwing his head. That's where he crossed the line. Like you just don't do that. That is horrible, horrible, but it's an like, MLB. just the way that the, it's an MLB. Thing. Yeah. Just yeah, that. Manfred, you know, Manfred, I, 
I think Manfred has his priorities not uh, the in best the way. way. Not, not the way that I would do things. Uh, he's so obsessed with his pace of play yeah. stuff. When there's stuff like this in the game that I just don't know why he would want it to be part of his sport. Uh, you know, I, That's much more important to me than cutting a few minutes off of a game. Yeah, I know. And one of my, my other baseball podcasts, my, my co-host and I, we've gone on rants about Manfred and his stupid policies he wants to – put into play that have nothing to do with the actual game of baseball that actually pertain to helping the game of baseball. It's just unbelievable. Like what real fans of baseball care about are not what he's trying to fix. No. Um, so it's mind boggling, but uh, yeah, I'll, your, your article is really well done. People need to understand that um, it's just going to be so hard to police. That's the problem to police it the right way, because then it's going to be like, well, how are you going to police Machado's slide? That's going to be the next argument. Right. It's just, it's just all, it's like, it's like kids on a playground. Well, what about him? What about him? <laughs> right. That's what's, that's what's going to be all day long and it's never going to end. Because in the end, these are all kids out there, basically. That's what it turns into. They're all little children. Even though they're Pedroia's our age, they're, they're all just little children and pointing the fingers at each other. For sure. It's going, it wouldn't, well, I would say it's not going to be an overnight change, but I'm surprised how fast that they did the home plate collision and the breaking up the double play. And of course those aren't, you know, 100% foolproof, but at least they did them overnight. I I just think that this is the next logical step for them to do something bigger about this. It'll be interesting to see what Barnes gets, you know, even if he gets 10 games. No, it already came out. He only got four games. See, I mean, I guess, well, yeah, no, I, I don't guess anything, but that's just not enough. It's really not enough. Yeah, four games is embarrassing, and he's already appealing it, which if they get even a year or two, yeah. Did, and did Farrell get anything? Or I, I only saw four games for him, and that's all I saw. I didn't see anything else. Yeah. But it came out this afternoon. He got four games. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that that's yeah. enough. No, and, and and doing that's never going to solve that, the problem. That's the why wouldn't it is the precedent? Why, why, yeah, but why? Yeah, and that's the point, though. If that's all it is, why wouldn't a middle reliever go and throw at the guy, right? Uh, to, to to keep his team happy. And if he so if yeah, Machado, if Machado got concussed, I'll still stay tame here. Then what? Then would have the the penalty have been bigger? I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, the the intent was there. It's like it's like the whole it's like other things in life, and I don't want to get too deep into other problems, but it's almost like something bad has to happen for a change to take place. Right. It's just yeah, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, even yeah, yeah, if the Posey thing made that that rule change happen, and then you know the double play thing with with Hotley, I mean that made that rule happen. What do we have to have to have to make this? Hit by pitch thing. Yeah, did we not? Did we not see Jacoby Jones over the weekend take a fastball on the face? Like that pitcher was not throwing at him. He was not throwing at him. But that's what could have happened to Machado. Right. <laughs> okay, let's go on a lighter note. I got to just <laughs> just through talking. Just through talking, and I took a couple of notes on stuff we can just BS on real quick. Cool. Um, you, you said you're on. A, you said you're a White Sox fan, and I love talking prospects. Okay. So just real quickly, um. How pumped are you on what you have playing down in Charlotte right now? Um, it is absolutely amazing. I watch. I drove two hours to Fresno on Saturday to watch Martez pitch for Fresno um, and their awesome offense. I've, if I was close to Charlotte, I'd watch them as often as possible. Yeah, you have so many fun toys right now. Yeah, and uh, Pipeline. I think it was Pipeline came out today with the new rankings, and Mankata is back to number one. 
as he should be because yeah. he is doing amazing right now in, at AAA. Um, and his strikeout rate has gone down. He is, you know, walking a little bit, but he's hitting a ton of home runs. Um, it, it's awesome to see. Uh, Charlotte, I think, is a little bit of a hitter's ballpark and a, a hitter's league, but still, he's he's doing everything that I could have possibly wanted him to do. Uh, I think that he's going to be coming up here probably next month um, after the service time thing happens. So it's just going to bring a little bit more excitement to the ballpark. Uh, I have yet to get out to the guaranteed rate field, but uh, I, I will be certainly making it a point to uh, once Mankata and then, uh, like you mentioned, some of the other toys come up too. Uh, you know, uh, Reynaldo Lopez is probably the uh, one of the uh, that that was my favorite part of the Eaton trade. Um, Kopech is awesome too. Giolito, I'm a little bit worried about. Um, but of course he certainly has the pedigree that certain that things could turn around. Um, that entire triple A Zach birdie out of the bullpen throws gas. And, uh, yeah, the Charlotte team is very, very good. Uh, so uh, hopefully, you know, we just watched, uh, those other guys, uh, across town, uh, do this whole thing with their prospects and win the whole thing once their guys matured. So, uh, we're hoping for some of the same on the South side. Yeah, it's looking really bright for you. Like I said, I love prospects. I drive all over California and watch minor league games. And um, I love the trades you guys made. Like you just said, I was more of a fan of the Lopez part of that than the Giolito part of it. And I might even be a bigger fan of the Dunning part of it, and he's showing it so far. He's been amazing. No one could hit his two-seamer. No, I'm looking forward to his move to double-A to see how that change works because – that's where they say most of the big big adjustments get made. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then um, – because that was just a fleecing trade for Eaton. Eaton's been great for the Nats. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. that was insane. Um, and then Mankata. Yeah, you're going to see him basically when midnight hits, yeah. the phone call will be made to get on the plane. That'll be on the, – the, the jet will be running to get on the plane to come to Chicago. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be happening. That's going to be awesome. Um, what do you think the next big, because barrels is the, the new big thing kind of right now, at least in your world, in my world, in a lot of worlds. What do you think the next big stat to kind of take over? It's like Woba was really big and still really big. Barrels is big now. What do you think the next big one is to kind of take over? Sure. Uh, so what the, another thing that they, they that StatCast did, and I think uh, leaderboards came out today on it, was expected uh, batting average, expected Woba, expected – uh, you know, slugging all of the expected. And what I, what I mean by expected is using uh, exit velocity and launch angle uh, determine what is the average outcome with those combinations and then creating that into a overall encompassing statistic for both hitters and pitchers. You can look at it, obviously, from both perspectives. So um, it's all about what I was saying before, you know, especially, you know, looking at it from a fantasy perspective, trying to predict the future as much as possible and trying to even catch things that uh, might be occurring, um, but they're using all of it. Uh, I don't know. We mentioned the StatCast podcast. I don't know if you listened to the one that came out today, but they were already talking about Bryce Harper's turnaround um, and how uh, Petriello mentioned that he was comparis- comparing uh, his arm strength um, from last year to this year, and it's already been, uh, I believe, like he was throwing about 89 out of the outfield 
last year at his low point um, with their, of course, some rumored uh, shoulder or neck injuries that he never fully admitted to, but uh, he is up to 99. So Bryce Harper is feeling very good right now. Um, but that's what's cool about all this data, that we can see these things, see these trends uh, as they're happening uh, and, and pick up on them and, and see what players are starting to maybe make a big leap um, and, and uh, certainly are doing things better. And then, of course, you can always – I'm going to – I'm going to give uh, you know, Baseball Savant a little bit uh, dap one more time. You can search any kind of uh, split that you want to on there. Uh, home away versus lefties versus righties. You can even go like fastballs above 95. You can really break it down that much. You, you know, If you want to know how, much, uh, how well a batter does on curveballs, go ahead. Go to Baseball Savant. Go to their search thing and select all of the different things that you want to look at, and it'll give you – anything you want. So uh, that's what's great about it. Uh, I know a big thing that they're on right now is speed. They're really trying to create speed as measurable as possible. Now, I will say that um, speed doesn't do a whole lot for me, uh, just from my own interest. But what I would like to really see eventually, and I wanted to build it into my barrels, is I think if we put speed, the speed metric into barrels... Um, that's going to mean more bases. So let me, let me put it this way. So if uh, Billy Hamilton hits a, a barrel that stays in the park, uh, he's going to get a double or a triple, uh, you know, probably a triple because he's going to use his speed along with, uh, you know, the, the hard hit ball. Uh, whereas Miguel Cabrera is probably not going to get too many triples, obviously, <laughs> you know, but uh, we, there, there is some possibility there in using speed along with barrels to determine total bases. Uh, which obviously builds into sluggings, which you know are all things that fantasy fans like to see. So um, speed certainly has the capability of there. And then I, I love outfield defense. Uh, I'm surprised I've gone this far without mentioning it. I uh, actually had a piece go up over the offseason at the Hardball Times. Uh, I had my debut there about outfield defense and what teams are doing to improve their outfield defense because one point I made – if the goal is to hit a barrel, that means the goal is to hit a ball in the outfield, and that's because the most damage hit uh, uh, is done on a barrel. Um, you want to put your best defenders out in the outfield to go ahead and try to uh, track down all of those barrels that are hit out there. Um, and and uh, I focused on what the Royals did in 2015, what the Cubs did in 2016. They really built a team with amazing outfield defenses uh, that certainly helped them uh, go all the way. And uh, I was kind of looking into what teams were – doing the same thing, some of the moves that uh, teams did uh, in 2017 to possibly, you know, copycat off of what the the other two teams uh, have done to uh, win those last two World Series. So uh, Baseball Simon, again, is doing stuff with catch catch probability. Um, like I mentioned before, they have some leaderboards that went up today. Uh, I have yet to really go into it, but I, I, I want to look at it from a team's perspective. Uh, team team catch probability is actually kind of a little bit more important to me than player catch probability because I think that uh, that really shows you what strategies teams are using as far as shifting and placement of the outfielders, how deep they're playing their outfielders, uh, even what outfield combinations are are making the be- the most outs. So uh, just uh, some cool data to, to, to drill into, uh, and I'm certainly going to get to it uh, at my first opportunity. No, that's uh, all really cool stuff, and um, making making this game even more exciting for uh, 
the average fan can even enjoy it more because it's not just um, how I say it. It doesn't feel like you're going to class. You're actually, you know, having fun with it and um, makes the old school baseball fan actually can dig in and enjoy it a lot more. I'm starting to embrace it and actually digging in and enjoying it. And if I can enjoy it, anybody can enjoy it. So that's really awesome. Really awesome. Um, with that being said, Casey, that pretty much wraps us up. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to bring up? No, uh, yeah, uh, definitely follow the MLB Barrel Alert. Uh, we're doing uh, some, some fun stuff there. We added uh, distance on our home runs yesterday in our tweets just because uh, we feel like that's just gives you a little bit more of a visualization of uh, what happened. And I think that's going that, that, that has certainly pleased people. Uh, eventually, what we'll do instead of even. I think we'll always lift the running t- list the running tally, but we're going to list those percentages to uh, percentage of barrels per plate appearance because that's really going to tell you uh, how a batter is doing. Um, so, uh, we're, and we're always up for uh, any recommendations as well. Um, not only at uh, MLB Barrel Alert, if you guys want to see something from me, I'm at Casey Boguslaw. If you want to see something at the website uh, at RO Baseball MLB, so any of those Twitter accounts, please follow and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, check out robaseball.com. Check out at MLB Barrel Alert. You can check out Casey at Casey Boguslaw. Casey, it was a pleasure, man. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks, Bubba. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, we will, man. It was a pleasure talking baseball with you, StatCast, everything. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I did. I have notes all over the papers here. Um, I learned stuff. Hope you guys did, too. It was awesome. Um, everybody, this was Benched with Bubba, episode 37. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.